0: That's funny. Will you turn with me in the Word of God, please, to Psalm 130? Psalm 130. I need to share with you some sad news, unfortunately. Um, I just got a call as the meeting was starting that our dear friend, Mike Sherman, uh, has passed to go be with the Lord now. He's been battling cancer for some time and had uh, taken a turn for the worse, and he's been in hospice now for the last week or so. And so this is Mike and Will, Mike and excuse me, Shane and Robin Williams. This is their son-in-law, sort of. But uh, Mike's dad passed away when he was in high school, and so um, Shane has largely been a father figure to him, not only through his marriage with Carrie, but also just in general. And so um, it's it's a son-in-law, but it's a son, and it's uh, it's a big deal. So we're going to pray for the Williams family right now as we come to the Word. And just lift them up because the Lord is with them. Ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Mike. Lord, thank you for our friend. I know some people here don't know him. But Lord, we, we know that he's yours. And so for any Christian that you're calling home, Lord, we submit to you. And we ask you, Lord, for your comfort and your peace to be on the entire Sherman family and the entire Williams family. Lord, we ask you, especially for Shane and Robin, that you would fill their hearts with the peace that only your presence can provide. Father, we ask you that you would comfort them as you give them a revelation of seeing that that you have called Mike back to you, But he is with you. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would give them a revelation of knowing that you, by your spirit, that you are with them. And so, Lord, where there are no words to say, where there are questions that don't have answers, Lord, where there are difficulties ahead and behind, Lord, thank you that you are the one who fills our mind with wisdom, that you are the one who goes before us and behind us. You are the one who protects us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make that real for the Williams family, that in every way the Shermans and the Williams would know that you, O God, are their protector and their salvation and their grace and their everything. Lord, let your life fill that family. Lord, and your peace, Lord, we mourn with them, but we mourn with hope, knowing that you are in charge of all things. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I feel like we've got a lot of heavy things today. That was not the the intent at all. Um, And you know what? Sometimes that happens. So God's the king in every season, isn't he? Well, I am honored to be able to open the word of God with you. He is good. Even in heavy things and in light things, he is good. You know, I was at a Shake Shack recently. Anybody ever go to Shake Shack? You need a reverse mortgage, but it's, you know, it's good, tastes good. Went to Shake Shack, I took my two boys, and somebody had given me um, a free burger coupon thing. So I met a guy who was, I don't know, had some relationship with the owner of Shake Shack, I don't know. And, um, and this, this young guy, this friend of mine, he runs a car thing. And I met him at some car stuff. And he, he runs like um, a car club in St. Louis called Cars and Coffee. And so they have, they have stuff. And so if you're ever down at the, that cool Lamborghini dealership in the Valley, sometimes they'll have cars and coffee shows and all that stuff. Anyway, I met this young man, great guy. And he goes, hold on, I got something for you. And so he runs to his car and comes back. And he had these Shake Shack coupons. And it like, looks like a burger. And you just hand it to him. And it's supposed to be a free burger. And so um, I thought, well, I'm going to take my boys. This will be great. So I took my two boys. I have, you know, out of the five kids, two of them are the boys. And the girls were doing something. I can't remember. And so they were with Lisa. And I took the two boys. And we went. And it was pretty busy. So I used my free hamburger coupon. And then I um, stood at the window because I still was like, this can't be the right price because I gave you a coupon. <laughs> and so if you go, just beware. <laughs> it's... Surprising sometimes. Anyway, so there we are. So I order the food, and we sit down. And we needed to go because uh, one of the kids ha- had to be at something, some practice or something. I can't remember what it was. And so we're sitting and waiting, and we're you know waiting for the food to come. And I'm noticing, you. this may have happened to you before, other couples and families who have ordered and are now sitting and are now eating. And I'm confused by that because we ordered with the special coupon, so I know they remember me, but we have not gotten our food yet. And so I go and inquire about it, and they're like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's coming. We're working on it. And I was like, well, I've noticed these other people. Like, yeah, yeah, we got it. I was like, all right. That's cool. So I sit down. Now I'm seeing other people that I'm watching order, and I'm making a record of wrongs. I'm telling you, I'm doing it. And I'm like, Lord, help me, because I'm getting upset right now, and that's not OK. And I'm, doing, and I'm watching, now they're eating, and they're next to us. And they're finishing. And I'm like, what is that? So I go up, you know, third time. I, hey, guys, is this some an order? And they're like, oh, because they gave it to somebody else. And so what? What? Like, that was my free burger. No. See, now, see, isn't it, the Lord is faithful. He works on our character and in the big things and the small things in front of the boys. And so here we are. So we get, we get the order straightened out again, and we sit down. And finally, we get the food. And it's funny because this whole exchange happened in 30 minutes. That's how long it took for other people to get their food, eat their food, and leave. I'm a little bitter, but I'm getting through it. (laughs) But the reality is it was 30 minutes. It wasn't six hours. It wasn't a year. It wasn't 30 years. You know, many of us in the room have been pressing into God for salvation for our family members for 30 years. Some of us have been pressing into God for things that have not healed for decades. Some of us are wondering when we're gonna eat lunch already because we talked about Shake Shack. (laughs) You know, the reality though is we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. We don't want to wait. We want it now, and we're pretty used to getting things now. Honestly, Google's wonderful, but it has ruined us in the whole waiting thing. Do you remember logging in wouldn't your own and made all the sounds and stuff? And it was like, I mean, you were lucky to get in, and then the web page loaded and it was so it took forever, but you were like, "Wow, do you remember the first time you used Instant Messenger or a text message, and you were blown away by how fast it is? Understand kids today don't know that. They only know immediate, which is one of the challenges that we're having right now in generations. But that's funny how, in the course of... I don't know, when did you get your first cell phone? I don't know. How old were you? And then to now, 15, 20 years ago, something like that? Somewhere in there? I was a junior in college, and I had a track phone prepaid. My mom was like, don't die, here's this. <laughs> I, ju- I was 14 hours away drive, middle of the night to college, alone, with nothing. And then she was like, take this. There's 12 minutes on it. You know, if you get hurt, you can call someone. That was real. Do you remember those? Have you ever left home now and you forget your phone and you feel like you're detached from the world? You do. You feel anxiety. Like, what do I do if something goes wrong? Do you remember being 14 hours away? You're like, I don't know. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. Oh, man, times have changed. But we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. And now in this passage, we're going to read Psalm 130. We're going to read about waiting on God. This is not a sermon to make you feel bad because you don't have patience. That's not the point. So if you're starting to feel that way, we're not even going to talk about that. The Lord gives us patience. It's part of his character. If you ask him for it, he'll give it to you. Praise God. He's good to us. And then he will test it at Shake Shack. So maybe don't pray. Today, don't pray. Pray after today so that you don't, when you go to lunch, you don't have the wait. But we're not talking about patience. We're talking about the Lord and his salvation. And he shows up in his timing, and he's faithful. And his timing's better than our timing. And he gets to do what he wants to do because he's the creator of the earth, he is the king of glory, he is the majesty on high, and he hears the littlest prayers about Shake Shack. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He made the mountains, he makes the tides function, he keeps the moon just the right distance away from the earth that we don't get destroyed by gravity. He makes gravity. We don't even know how gravity actually works. We just know it happens. That God who made the DNA in your body also hears our prayers about when the McDonald's line is taking too long or the Shake Shack order gets passed over to somebody else. And he hears when it's been 20 years and you're like, Lord, please heal me. Please. Do you hear me? Do you remember? He remembers. This sermon is not about your patience. It's about his character. He remembers. Let's read Psalm 130 together. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in His Word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with Him is plentiful redemption, and He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Thank you, Lord, for Your Word. This is bigger than Shake Shack. It's bigger, isn't it? The themes in this passage, too, are seeing our own iniquity and waiting for the Lord's deliverance from those things. Boy, he is bigger than Shake Shack. Will you turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? A lot of times what we think of as waiting is we think of the fast food restaurant or we think of the web page that we're waiting on to load. Have you ever tried to do a web page on your phone and it just doesn't work right? And you're waiting for it to refresh and it's the worst ever? That's what we tend to think of as waiting, that we have this thing that we need to do or we have this need that we need filled and so we're just waiting for it to happen. But the waiting that the psalmist is talking about is not exactly the same. This waiting is not just waiting for satisfaction. He's waiting for redemption, and it's different. He's waiting for iniquities to be changed into righteousness. He's waiting for something bigger that involves him and his life, but it also involves the entirety of the people of God who are waiting for redemption. And there's something bigger. There's something different. He talks about the watchman waiting in the night for the morning. You know, that is a strange Feeling? Have you ever have you ever had to work an overnight shift? You ever had to do that? It's a weird feeling sometimes, isn't it? Where you sometimes you kind of lose your sense of like what time it is and what's happening a little bit, especially if you had to work the day before and you're just running on no sleep. When I was in the military, I was stationed in Baghdad at one time, and uh, my my soldiers pulled guard duty on Christmas, and so we yeah they didn't like me, so. I'm just kidding. They, they liked us a lot. Um, we actually went out. We went out all the time, and so we were always leaving the base. And so for one week, we got to be not leaving, and we had guard duty. But it was like rest, finally. And like, you know, we were duct taped our trucks together, so it was nice to fix those. Anyway, um, but my soldiers' Christmas are on Christmas night or on guard duty, and um, I remember going out one night. That night. And I was all geared up to go check on them. And the way that the base worked, they had this giant wall that surrounded the base, and it was about 30 feet high. And so this giant wall, and they had steps that ran up to a little guard tower that was at the top. And the guard tower was basically a box made out of wood with a bunch of sandbags around it. And so that's, you're safe. And so so guard duty, especially overnight guard duty, you cannot fall asleep. Cannot fall asleep. The little meals that we had, the meals that are ready to eat, MREs they're called, uh, came with a little sundry pack, and it had salt and pepper in it, and it had like a little moist towelette, which was nice because you could like clean off your hands, and it had sugar and instant coffee, and it had a little baby Tabasco that was this big. This was like a little cute little like glass Tabasco, it was the cutest, it was the best. Everybody loved it. Um, I don't personally like Tabasco because I have bad memories associated with it now, but that's okay. So if you had overnight guard duty. What you do, and this is what everybody did, you took the dehydrated coffee and you ate it, so you get the straight coffee, that'll get you going, and if you are still tired in your non-firing eye, your non-dominant eye that you need to aim with, so not that eye, because you need that eye to work, you take a little bit of that Tabasco and put it on your finger and put it in your non-dominant eye, and you will wake up. (laughs) You will wake up fast. And you can still see out of this eye, so that's good, because you gotta actually watching, which you're like, ah, okay. That was what we did. Then you eat the sugar if that doesn't work. Then you kick your buddy if that doesn't work, but you cannot fall asleep. Like, on, you, the penalty is your life if you fall asleep on guard duty. Cannot fall asleep. So what you find is coming up into that little poorly constructed guard tower, you already had a lot of pressure on you. But then also... It is a weird feeling to look. You're the only one in the base, 30-foot walls. You're the only one looking out. So you're the only one exposed. And that's a weird feeling, because you're up there, and you have to see. You can't stay hidden. And you're sort of just out there. Now, weapons, sure, all that stuff. But something happens, you're, you're it. And so that's a strange feeling. I remember climbing those stairs and getting to the very top. And chatting with my guys, like, hey, how's it going? Or, oh, yeah, sir, we're, we're awake. And I'm like, okay, good stuff. And then I, I came up into the thing, and I remember suddenly, like, this, like, whew, I'm going to stand up all the way. Like, because you're, you're out there. So if you're a guard waiting for the morning, man, when the light comes, thank you, Jesus. I'm, I made it. The night's over. The, the, the dangerous part's done. And now I can see everything. And something might still happen, but I'm going to see it coming. Oh, man, and my shift is almost over, and I don't have to use the Tabasco anymore, and the angst of it all gets suddenly gone when you see the morning sun. That's what the psalmist is talking about is not just, Lord, give me my fast food, not just make my web page work, but this... Lord, the iniquity of us, if you counted it against us, no one could stand. Lord, what will happen to the nation? What will happen to us? Save us, redeem us. But if I could just see your sun come up, it would be all the angst, all the the terror of the night suddenly goes away because your sun is shining. That's the feeling that the psalmist is talking about. And here in in Luke chapter 2, we see a real life version of it. Let's read together Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Here's what it says. This is after Jesus' birth. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, that is Mary and Joseph, brought him, Jesus, up to the temple to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, as an aside, just for a minute, that was the, the, the cheapest option. So it's funny that they're not talking about anything else, which denotes that Mary and Joseph needed to use the lowest financial thing, you know, because they're not even mentioning the lambs or anything else. It's just a little aside there that it doesn't tell us um, specifically. He took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother, that's Mary and Joseph, marveled at what had been said about Jesus. and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Waiting for the redemption of Israel. What are you waiting for? Not just waiting like a burger, What are you waiting for that you've been crying out to God maybe for years? Anna, seven years lived with her husband until he died from the time she was a virgin. Let's say she got married at 20 or so. 27, her husband dies. From 27 to 84, she's waiting, listening, looking, searching Coming to the temple day and night, fasting and prayer before him, seeking God. For what? For a new husband? No. Although, would that be great? Maybe. For riches? No. For the redemption of Israel. And then at that very moment, she comes in the temple at just the right second to hear Simeon also an old man who's been waiting and and calling on God and hoping to hear, looking for the redemption of Israel. And the Holy Spirit had told him he wouldn't die before he sees with his own eyes that redemption come. And it's not a thing. It's not a new administration. It's not a new website. It's not AI. It's not the new app that comes out. It's not the rise and fall of some empire It's a person and his name is Jesus and he's a child. And prophetically, Simeon sees the baby and he says, now I can depart in peace for I have seen your redemption. And God gives us two people advanced in years who waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited waited way more than Shake Shack (laughs) for God to do what he said he was gonna do. And they see it and ready for this? neither of them actually get to see Christ raised from the dead. Neither of them actually get to see really the redemption. Probably 30 years later, neither of them even get to hear a word from his voice. They don't get to see Jesus in action. They get to see the baby. They get to see the infant. And they know from the Holy Spirit, this is God's solution. And it's enough. It's enough. When will the persecution stop? When will we see Pakistan turn to Christ? When will we see China's regime fall and Christians rise up and a righteous government that doesn't sacrifice children come into that nation? When will we see oppression stop in the United States? When will we see politicians who put the word of God and righteousness and justice before their own gain? When will we see that? When will we see our family's salvation? When will we see the healing? When will we see all the burden of our heart? When will the angst of waiting in the night and feeling exposed and not knowing and, and Tabasco in our eye to stay awake, when will we finally see the Son? And the Word of God tells us, if He did not withhold His Son, but gave Him up for us, will He not give us everything else? He has given us, He has proved by His Son coming, that his word is good, that his deliverance, his redemption is sure, that Christ who is seated on the throne, who died and rose again, is the Lord over all, and nothing will stand against him. That there is no thing, there is no waiting, there is no government, there is no time span that can resist the king of glory, because he's not a baby anymore. He died on the cross, he rose again, and he said to the disciples, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have taught you. And then he ascended, and everybody went, but my order, I had had the coupon. What, where are you going? He said, you're going to do it. And he's so good. He's patient. He's kind. He's using us. He's changing world governments. He's changing hearts. He's preparing your neighbor to hear the gospel from you. He's preparing even now those family members who have been resistant to the gospel forever. And it might take 50 or 60 years, but there'll come a time when you get to see and say, Lord, I trust you. I knew you were doing it and I see you doing it. Now, do we know for sure? Can we assume on God? No, we can't. But we can stand in faith and say, I see your character because you sent your son to us. If you gave us him, then surely all your promises will come true. All your promises will come true. This sermon is not about you having patience. This sermon is about knowing the character of God, that he is our salvation. That he does not leave us without answering prayers that he has not left us in our iniquity. He has saved us by his Son, and he is doing the work still to see Israel redeemed. What does that mean? Because he's died and risen again. The work's complete. It means seeing it, the kingdom come in every area, every part of life, we get to see his kingdom glorified and reigning and him ruling over all things, and he is actively doing it. So don't lose heart. Maybe you've been waiting 50 years. Lord, I need you. Don't lose heart. He's heard your prayers. He knows. He's on the throne. Maybe it's been 20 years of pain. You say, Lord, deliver me. He hears. He knows. we'll stand with you. I don't know if he's going to heal you. But I know he is the healer. I don't know if he's going to make everything all right everywhere. Houses are being burned but I know he will deliver us. I don't know when Pakistan will bow the knee, but I know it will bow the knee. And it's gonna happen through his church, through his spirit, through his work, because he's the one who accomplishes it at the end of the day. What can we do? We can wait. We can do, we can wait like waiters waiting on a table, who don't just sit back and say, bring me my stuff, but instead are attentive. They're always ready. They're looking, they're watching. This is what Simeon and Anna were doing. What should we do? We should wait on Jesus, serving him, looking for every opportunity where he can be glorified, and he will do it through us because he's the great king. Maybe today you find yourself waiting, shake shack style, and getting bitter and angry about it. The Lord is our salvation. Change your attitude. Don't let the enemy lie to you that you have some coupon, there's no coupon. The price was his son. It was was Jesus. He's the price. You are purchased by his blood. And so if that is the price, don't let it get weird in your own heart. Instead, come to him with purity and say, Lord, I'm not going to wait like I'm waiting for a burger. I'm going to wait knowing you. Changes a lot, doesn't it? So today, what does this mean for us? What you need to know is that Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, seated in glory, is not a baby any longer, and he is our salvation. He's ruling and reigning. That means that you should be his in every way, and that you should come to him waiting on him and waiting for his deliverance actively, praying into Pakistan, praying into the situations, looking for opportunities to share the gospel, trusting him that he is going to make good on his word. And what should we do? As we come to him, we should come to him with pure hearts, knowing that his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us. We should come knowing that he is making good on his promises. And as we serve him, as we continue, as we don't let faint-heartedness hold us back, we come into his presence, we seek him, and we seek him, and then go out and do all that he's commanded us to do with fervor because of his great love. That sounds like a cop-out. Just do all the Bible. That's, dude, do it all, do it all. But you know, he leads us. He helps us. He knows exactly where we are, and he gives us little silly things like Shake Shack in front of our children. And he says, demonstrate me here. You're ready for that. That's all you got right now. That's the waitress. Go for it. And And he's faithful. But what do we do? Lord, what are you doing to me? Instead of, Lord, thank you, an opportunity. I'm angry and I'm trying. To thank you that you have seen me worthy to take this little taste of weirdness that I can demonstrate your kingdom today. And it changes. It changes how we interact with people, it changes how we show love to our children. It changes everything, doesn't it? Waiting on God changes everything.